Hey everybody, welcome back to Plant Personalities with PV Plant Guy. I'm David, and I have Mark here today. As you know, this is a podcast where we talk about the people behind the plants. I want to get to know who Mark is behind all of his beautiful plants on social media. He has over 250 of them in his home, so I can't wait to take a deeper dive into everything he has going on, some of his hobbies, what he's got um, going on outside of all of his plants. So, hey, Mark, how are you? Hi, David. Yeah, I'm really good. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm pretty excited about this. Of course. I'm happy to chat. This is actually the second time that we've talked because we did a live like maybe over a year ago. Yeah, I don't even know when it, I can't remember when it was now. Maybe it was two years. Who knows? But yeah, that was on Instagram, wasn't it? Yes, I think we had a lot yeah. of fun then. And I love connecting with some of the people who I've already chatted with just to kind of learn what's been going on and growing in, in their environment. Oh, yeah. And I've got loads of things that have been going on in my environment. <laughs> of course Fails, you do. wins, everything, you know. The fail part is how you learn, which is kind of yeah. exciting to talk about too. So um, let me ask you this. So I know like you've been collecting houseplants for a while. I want to understand how you got into houseplants and how you got to where you are today because you have a lot of houseplants. Yeah, so – I think I think it was always in my soul to like um, the natural world and plants. And I think where it really started was my grandmother used to teach me when I was very, very young um, gardening tips. So it was all about growing things from seeds in her greenhouse and things like that. And I just I loved it. I loved the the messiness of it, you know, getting playing with the mud and planting things and watching them grow and then they make a tomato or something like that or a tomato I don't know how, I don't know how people are saying it but um, <laughs> and to me that's yeah to me that's just the magic of of plant life and the natural world and I think I've always been super in love with it and then I think I took a slightly different turning point with plants when I got to see my first glass house you know I'd are they called glass houses in the US? Like big botanic garden glass houses? So we call them greenhouses here. Right, okay. To me a greenhouse is something you'd have just in your 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 garden or your yard in the back where you're growing your vegetables and things like that. But yeah, so okay, that's really good. At least I've learned that now because <laughs> I've never I've never even asked. Yeah, so in big glass houses and I just saw this huge jungly world of plants growing up trees trees massive plants down the bottom and i was just like whoa this is fern gully if you've ever watched yes i have when i was a kid that's that's funny (laughs) yeah um i love that was it for me i think that was it i love that journey um i feel like a lot of people that i speak with have some type of emotional tie to plants from their childhood or Mm. um it's it's kind of like nostalgic for them because yeah, and even now I do things and I and I and I remember I don't even know how I because I'm I'm 40 now and I don't even know how I remember certain things like I can visualize it when I've been taught or shown things from my grandparents and I just remember it still and that's what makes you a better plant parent yeah memory so, <laughs> do you have any plants from your grandparents from your grandma I did have but <laughs> It didn't survive. So when I moved from, I moved, I've moved quite a lot around in, in the UK and I, before the UK, I lived in, I lived in Germany for some years, but I got some plants from my grandmother and it was just sort of, it was just a lemon balm. It was like a, 
kind of like a mint, but um, when you sort of rub it between your fingers, it really smells of lemon. And I absolutely loved it. I mean, some people call it a weed and it just grows all over the place. But I carried that around with me and sort of either had it in a pot in the house or I put it outside in gardens as I've moved um, in my single life and, you know, with different relationships. And I've moved into this house that we purchased here and we've been here five years. And I think the first winter <laughs> destroyed it. So I haven't got any more, but I can always go over because luckily I've still got my grandparents and I can always go around there and just take some more, which I will do the next time I go and see them. But I haven't had the chance. I, You're lucky to still have your grandparents. because I know a lot of people yeah. don't. So, um, mm. And the fact that they still have some is uh, uh, very relieving because I feel like it would be very emotional if you lost it and they weren't here. Um, but so tell yeah, me a little bit more. A lot to me. Tell me a little bit more about this plant itself because I had never heard of it. So do you use it in cooking? I've never you... used it for any. To me, it just looks like mint. It, it looks and feels like a mint, but it smells like lemon. She's always called it lemon balm plant. Maybe I can just quickly go and have a look up now, see if it's got a proper name or something like that. But I've got a feeling it's probably mint, like a lemon mint, because you, you get so many varieties of mint, that some that smell like lime, all these different types of things. Right, right. Let's just have a quick look. Yeah, I'm curious. I want to know what it what it actually is. It's from South Central Europe. Um and other places in the world. And it, yeah, it's just, it has a, it is called lemon balm, a bushy perennial herb with lemon scented leaves. I don't know what you do with it. I, feel <laughs> I just like... used to rip a leaf out and smell it. And I, and, and I liked it. I feel like it would go well in a cocktail. Yes. Cause like I love if... mojitos and things like that. So yeah, I tell you what, next time I get some of this from that, I'm going to give that a try. Why not? I'll check that it's safe. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Safe for consumption, yeah. and then you can muddle it in a glass with some rum and sugar, and boom, you have a lemon flavored mojito. I've just that checked. Amazing. It is safe. It says it's likely safe when consumed with amounts of food, whatever that means. Amounts of alcohol. <laughs> I don't know. Well, yeah, I'll go with that. I mean, Why you'll not? just have a few leaves, and then let me know how you feel the next day. Yeah. We'll have to um, figure out if it's the mojitos or if it's the leaves that are making you feel kind of wonky. <laughs> I just never even thought about it because I love mojito and I have mojitos all the time and we have mint and I put mint in mojitos. I'd never thought to put that in there because I kind of thought it maybe was something else. But it looks like you can have it. So I will let you know on that one. Oh, I can't wait to hear. Do you grow any other herbs aside from that one? Um, just things like... Uh, lavender that's a herb and thyme i think that's about it and i really like basil and there's a basil that i really want i can't seem to get it anyway it's called thai basil because i really like eating thai food yes um, thai basil is amazing kind of, yeah where do you like you can buy it in stores and things like that but can you grow it never tried i've never tried i mean i I have a love-hate relationship with basil because I'm Italian, and so I use it frequently if I have it. But then mm. um, this past fall, I had it outside, and it became infested with thrips, and oh. the the thrip infestation spread. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm never having, I'm never putting basil outside again. Inside, inside, yeah. So when I, normally I grow it 
I grow it inside. I'm not trying growing it outside, but I really like basil. And I think a lot. I think that's a love hate. I think here we have something called marmite. I don't know whether you have anything like that. And that's they, everyone knows it as like it's either you love it or you hate it. And I think that is the same with with basil or basil because I love the stuff. But I don't. I love coriander or calanthra. I think you guys call it over there. But I can't stand parsley. Ugh. It okay. No they're very similar, and I know that some people have like a genetic trait that makes them think that cilantro tastes like soap. But oh, you you it. don't mind cilantro or coriander, no, I, I could but have you just it don't like anything. parsley. Yeah, but parsley looks a bit like cilantro, doesn't it? But it does not taste like that at all for me. Right. So hey, let me ask you. I want to I want to get to know some of your plants that are in your house. So, mm-hmm. um, you. You were one of the people that I turned to when I switched to pond. I don't know if you know this, but you have a YouTube video out there, and I was like, okay, I have some pond. I know what to do with it, but I just want to like double check myself. I want to make sure that I'm headed in the right direction. So I like went over to your YouTube channel and watched your video on pond. Oh wow! I was like, oh, <laughs> I was like okay. Awesome. I did that. I was like, if Mark is doing this, then okay, I should be able to too. Um, and it really helped me kind of like jump into it. So I want to hear what your take is on pond and like how you're using mm. it and how it's been with your plants. Yeah, yeah. And I can give you a little bit of a, a journey of, of it as well. Uh, so it took me – pond's been readily available in, in the UK and the Europe for, for such a long time. And I've always had some about, but I've never really thought to use it to the level I have right now with houseplants. So it took me a lot of time to build up trust and faith. A couple of other people, I think, were going through that journey some years ago. Um, I think the first thing I tried was sort of Monsteras. Um, and I was trying to get away from the Lekka semi-hydro right. type thing. It was just a bit annoying. And I hate how the roots just went all over the little Lekka balls and it was just too wet, those kind of things. Um, and then I thought, right, I'm going to, I'm going to do it now. I'm going to do it. And I kept seeing other people on social media saying, you know, proving that they can do it with this and this. And I was like, right, I'm, I'm going to go. My aim is I'm going to go full pond. I haven't still gone full pond. And actually, I don't want to go full pond, but I would say I'm probably 50% pond. And I started with monsteras. I mean, they can just grow in absolutely anything. They love life in anything. Skindapsuses. I, every skindapsus I have isn't 100% pond. Wow. And I think they love it. Even cuttings, I just put fresh cuttings in there, no roots, and they will just root in it. All my Hoyas are in it. And, yeah, the reason my Hoyas are in it is because I am rubbish at growing Hoyas. And every Hoya I've ever had has been in some kind of soil medium. And they've always just failed. And somebody just said, you know, put it in, put it in pond. And I've had success in pond. But I are do they- keep... Sorry, go on. I was going to ask if they are in self-watering containers and what your setup is No, like. no. I, I've hardly got any of any of my plants in self-watering. I've probably got about six or seven Monsteras in self-watering uh, pots. I just don't buy them. What I do is I have clear, I have clear inserts or nursery pots, we call them over here. Mm-hmm. And the pond's in there, the plant's in there, and I just sort of lift lift it and have a look. And if that's 
got a bit of condensation in there, then I know that the pond is still moist. Because even the zeolites that's in the pond, it really does retain the moisture, even if you don't see it. And the roots just survive a lot longer. So if you're going on holiday and you've moved something to pond, you can have a lot more faith that your plant's going to last without the normal watering regime that you'd have for anything else. Right. And so what do you fertilize your pond after like six months of the plant being in there after I, yeah. So I use a liquid feed. Even I use a really reduced amount of liquid feed with the pond that I've got right now. Cause obviously they've got the little, uh, the food pellets in there already. So generally I just, I'm just using normal water that's available to me for my cuttings and things like that. Then after sort of several months, I sort of build up the need for a liquid feed. And I just pour that, I pour it in from the top um, and I'll rinse it, rinse it through. I do keep them in little trays or saucers and I might leave that um, to build up a couple of mils or a centimeter or something like that, which, which could be considered a reservoir, but that will just disappear. And then I'm just looking basically to see if the condensation is still there. And when it's really, really dry, then I'm like, right, I'm going to go and get some more water and just pour it on top. It's so easy. In fact, it almost takes the headache out of the watering care for your plants. But um, there's still some plants, I think, that really like chunky soil mixes and things like that. So I don't think it's the answer for every plant. I, I, it, it can be quite helpful for lots of them, but not all of them. So you're basically just keeping your your plant in an insert of pond and you're not keeping mm-hmm. it in a reservoir and it's it's working yeah because the, because it's got zeolites in it and the zeolites so it's like microscopic and they they absorb all the water mm-hmm. there's other things in there as well isn't there like the lava rock and things like that right but they really do hold on to the moisture well and the roots attached to it and they absorb they absorb the moisture that's hidden within within those elements that is amazing i need to give that a try because i have um an anthurium magnificum in just a plastic cup that sits in another plastic cup with like mm-hmm. a water reservoir. And I just need to take out that reservoir and just like water it every, you know, week or so, like I do my other plants and see how it, that works. Yeah. Have, have faith in the pond, but there's no, there's no harm in having a reservoir either. Right. I just, the roots get, will adapt. The plants will adapt. Right. Whatever I just get do. some algae build up and I know it's just, the water sitting yeah. there. Um, and I know. I and know that's probably because you've got light. There's a lot of light exposure on top. So the algae is going to grow on top of there, isn't it? But yeah, just, just reduce the water down then and just do what I do. Yeah. I'm excited to try that. And I have a whole bag of late trees upon. I've only used it for a few plants thus far. Um, I've used it for some propagations, but um, they're kind of sitting on my windowsill behind all of my bigger plants. And sometimes I forget to water them. And I notice, <laughs> I mean, it's only like a, it's a, it's only like a raindrop pepperonia because I wanted to see how well it worked. You know, I wanted to test it out before I kind of put some of my more um, expensive plants in there. But I mean, so far I really like it and I just need to have more faith in it. I like the fact it's just, you can use it indefinitely. It could last forever for your entire lifetime. I right. think that's really, really good um, feature of it. You know, lots of soils and things like that, over time they sort of deteriorate and you, you do need to replace it and you sort of throw it away. But this is a man-made product. It does have some natural things in it. 
Um, so it's not 100% natural, I guess. But it's nice that it can last forever. It's very environmentally friendly compared to other mm. soils like peat. And there was, there was, yeah, there were struggles with you guys getting it over in the U.S. for some time, wasn't there? Is yes. it fully available now? It is. I checked the other day, and it was there. Um, the so we're talking about lechuza pawn. And... Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are other types of this this thing, but lechuza has probably been going the longest with this formation of the four or five different elements that are in it. Yes. And for me, I picked it up like months ago and I, after months of checking. So I, I, I'm happy with what I've gotten, <clears throat> excuse me. And I have like three quarters of the bag left. So I'm like, you know, I actually just picked up some anthurium like hybrids some like little seedlings and I have them in some sphagnum moss. I'm like, I should just put them in pond. I don't know why I didn't mm. think about that. It's because it's like buried in the back of my pantry and I don't see it. So if, if it's out of sight, it's out of mind. I don't have, I have a few anthuriums in it. And I, the, my worry for anthuriums is because they get really chunky sort of spaghetti-like roots, don't they? they? Do. When they get yes. really huge. So there's a lot of people now making their own type of pond, really chunky I'm kind of experimenting with some of that now, but I do have anthuriums in pond and they seem absolutely fine. Mm -hmm. So maybe in another year I'll know more because I've got some big ones growing in them. They seem fine. Yeah. You'll have to give me an update. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I noticed that my anthuriums, they love to be root bound. Yes. And that's because they grow in trees and things, don't they? So they're sort of, is it epi epiphytes? They're growing in trees and nooks and crannies in the trees um, and they sort of bundle all that. They're just like orchids. They are orchids, aren't they? They're in the same main family as orchid types. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people don't realize that, like, a lot of philodendrons are the, are the same way, where, like, in the jungle, they'll grow on, like, a pile of brush, and it'll be, like, decaying matter and leaves. Yeah. Um, and so that's why they like the, the chunky aeroid mix, is because in nature, it's just kind of, like, growing on whatever's on the jungle floor sometimes on a tree you know it'll climb up the tree um other times it'll be like on like in the crevice of a tree that has like debris in like it's a... amazing isn't it it's just like the plants are just survivors and thrivers and everything you know they, they they know what to do and i always think this with cuttings especially monstera i'm like they want to live you can take a cutting of that and you can put it in water or you can put it in pond anything in some moss and it is gonna live it's gonna root in some form it wants to go it, yes yes and even <laughs> i have some cuttings in in the middle of my kitchen as a centerpiece and it's grown a new leaf and it gets very minimal light and i just give it some liquid fertilizer every time I change mm. the water out and it's got a new leaf growing. So I'm like, you know what? This is great. I mean, it's, it's a happy. great centerpiece. I don't need, I don't need it to be huge. I don't want this like giant monstera in my kitchen, but like it's, it's pretty and it's happy. So, um, what are some of your other like rarer plants that you have? I've got, I'm trying to think what I've got now. I've got some variegated skin daps like jade satin do you know don't get me i really like normal house plants i've got my whole house is full of them you know calatheas all these types of things people don't like those anymore do they <laughs> but i do like collecting some rare types or things that are considered rare i don't know whether they really are but um i've got i don't know is a thai constellation rare i've got a few of those have yeah, you have a few of them yeah <laughs> wow 
Yeah, I've got a I'm, I'm looking at one right now. that's probably about as big as my body. You know, the leaves aren't huge. I'm talking about the entire the length, the height of the plant. Right. And I've got a smaller one next to it. And then in my cabinets um, is probably where I've got my my rare type rare type things and i've got a variegated oh I'll tell you what i have got oh i've got a i'm trying to show you and i can't because obviously we're just talking <laughs> i can hear you. you have to explain it to me yeah i have got a variegated raffidophora tetrasperma now over here these were being sold for at one point for twelve thousand pounds i'm gonna guess it's like fifteen thousand dollars oh my leaf. gosh i've got one of those now um, I'll probably post it up on my story later just to show people what I've got. Uh, but it's really nice. And there's, there's so many different types of these, the variegated raffidophoras out there. But this one's got such good genetics. And um, I just can't wait for it to grow huge. But yeah. So how I do many, a lot of trading. How many leaves do you have on that one plant? On that. It's only got three. It's very small. <laughs> but... uh I'm excited to know what what will come of it, and it, and for it to grow into some giant tree yeah. of a plant. Hopefully, <laughs> I can't wait to see it grow because I don't even have a Raphidophora tetrasperma because I see them on Instagram all the time, and they take up a lot of space. And yeah, they do. Mine like... grows like a weed downstairs. I have to cut it cut it back so many times. It's you know I almost get a hedge trimmer at the at the plant. It's struggle. I struggle to keep up with it. Right. Um, so tell me, you you mentioned that you trade plants. So do you guys have plant swaps over in the UK? We do. We've got one. We've actually got one coming up. I think in April. Um, but it, they obviously with with COVID and lockdown and things like that, they haven't been happening as much. But people sort of connect over social media, you know, Facebook groups to do trading and swapping, and you make friends with the most amazing people, and then you just swap swap bits and cuttings and, yes, and we sometimes have a, the, we have a few the value of plants drop if you know what i mean so like mm -hmm. i could have a plant that i could be oh that's worth so much and then the, the following year i i don't care about the value anymore it's it becomes it's just a plant and i'm happy to share a cutting with that with somebody and it's and nice to know that somebody can grow that and make and something pe of it people are thankful that they're sharing with you because they've probably had it on their wish list for a long period of time yes and that's i do a lot of that because i grow a lot of cuttings like one of the, some of the things i've been doing recently is oxalis plum crazy mm -hmm. which is a uh, very pink and almost black oxalis and a lot of people struggle to find that and i grow i grow 14 different types of oxalis and i've got some that you only get in glass houses in botanic glass houses but I like growing those and sharing um, or selling as well cuttings from my social media. Everybody, people are like, oh, I've always wanted this. I've always wanted this plant. And, you know, now they've got it. Yeah. Um, a lot of people ask for – so I, I don't have a Thai constellation that's on my wish list. Um, but I do have an Albo, a Monstera Albo, and I get a lot of requests for cuttings or just you know people asking to buy. And I'm like, no, sorry, it's not for sale. <laughs> I there will become it. a point when that plant is so huge that you won't be so precious about it anymore. And I think you'd be happy to, but um, yeah. So what, so you said that you've got a Monstera tie that's on your wish list. What, what is the ultimate on your wish list at the moment? Um, 
You know, that's a good question. I don't Ooh. really have like a must have plant. I feel like I the way that I approach house plants is if I come across something and I don't have it in my collection and I've never seen it, I usually mm. buy it. And there are so many different I cuz I feel like they like like plants kind of like the popularity, you know, some plant could be hot and you could spend a lot of money on it and then over time it's like everyone has it. Right? It's kind of like the the cool shiny thing to have. And I don't hop on trends that much. It's more of like what I think is like a cool looking plant and what I think would fit in my collection nicely. Mm. If that makes sense. So I my... think you're going about it right. You're finding what what reaches out to you and not jumping on the trends. I think I do I do similar, but I do have access to lots of people who have all the plants that are in the trends as well, so I can get little bits here and there. But like you, I find I find something that I like, and that's that's what I go for. And it's not necessary because hundreds of people are trying to get it. Yeah, and sometimes I see like I'm like, ooh, I want that plant, and I see it on social media so often that I feel like I've enjoyed the plant so much that I don't need to take <laughs> care of it. That's kind of how Free I shopping, <laughs> right? Yeah. That's that's you the, look at the pictures and go, I'm over it now. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of how I approach it. And um, if, if you know, I'm going to swap or something and I see something I like or if I am, you know, out and I've never seen it in person and I've hardly ever see it and it's like at a good price, I will snag it. Mm. Um, but, I mean, that's I've... what I did with my Rafi. You know, I, I wanted one and I wanted one quite large it was you know one that was about as big as as tall as your leg as long as your leg something like that and then i went you know bargain hunting in a garden center here and there was one there that they were selling off super cheap and it had three vines on it if that's what we call it and it didn't look happy and i i got it i cut it back a little bit and now it's a it's the beast of the house <laughs> that's i mean those are some of the best stories though yeah, and I remember, you know, you remember those things. You remember when, you, where you got it from, like like cuttings. When I get cuttings from people, and then it grows into something giant, I remember where that came from. It's nice. Hmm. So, tell me a little bit about like what you do outside of of the houseplant hobby. Like, how oh, do you have yeah. t- how do you have time to take care of two hundred fifty plants given everything that you have going on? outside I of don't. It? They're all dying. They're all... <laughs> I do struggle. <laughs> I do struggle sometimes. But yeah, so hobbies-wise, outside of, of planting plants, I mean, um, I like, I do triathlon, and I like outside swimming. I really like swimming in the lakes. That's probably the, my absolute love, and I love being outside near the mountains, lakes, those types of things. So I mean, just today, we've been out running and cycling, no swimming, unfortunately, but I do like those three disciplines. Yeah, and I do triathlons. Wow, that's amazing. I <laughs> that takes a lot of endurance. I'm, yeah, I'm trying to get fit for this year because I've really, I've really struggled with with I've put on a bit of weight, become unhealthy over lockdown, and I'm now it's, I've got to get it back in because we've got some some events this year. So I need to need to get healthy and get ready for triathlon season and long when distance it, swimming as well. When is that for you? What what months? 
So triathlon season can start anytime from April all the way until um, November. Okay. I've got two events booked this year. Um, they're not massive or anything like that, but it's sort of to kick me back into it. And then I'll probably look for a long distance swim as well. And sometimes I go over to France and I do the long distance swimming over there. That's my passion. I really love swimming outside in the lakes and the rivers. Absolutely love it. But you know, it's not always fitness. You know, I like some competitively. Yes. Oh no. What do you mean? What as a young, as a child or in these events? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so like, I go and do races, swim races okay. in rivers and lakes. That's so interesting because we don't have that here. Like, all of our competitive swimming is, like, in a pool. Oh, that's not nice. The pool's too hot. <laughs> it's full of chlorine. You don't have to – you don't see, you know, the natural waters and everything like that. That's a shame. There must be, there must be some swimming events out there. Uh, maybe I don't know. I need to look into that, but most yeah, everything it might just is not like, be available. Yeah. Um. So, like, when you like when you have your event in like a river or like how how do you know like where to stay? Like, how do you know that like you're because you're not in a in in the in a lane? So how do you know? Like, yeah, it's a battle. You're back. So they'll they'll set off fifty or hundred or two hundred people, and you are the first sort of 20 minutes of that race i don't know whether you've seen a triathlon or anything like that it is a bit of a battle you know there are elbows in your face fists flying over feet kicking you and you're trying to make way you're trying to either pass them or you're trying to get into some formation where everything everybody breaks apart and has their own distance so uh yeah it can be pretty pretty lethal on the on the swim it, i guess it gets nice when it's the cycle and the run but um Oh, nothing beats outdoor swimming for me. I just absolutely love it. Even if it's cold, I'm out there. You know, I wear a wetsuit and everything like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I was going to ask. It gets, like, pretty chilly. So you just throw on your wetsuit mm. and just go swim for hours. Yeah. That could be me. It could be set for the day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a great cardio workout. Yeah. There, there's, there's, a, there's a couple of lakes I go to near where I live. I mean, there's one called Gosfield near where I live. And that's... Um, that's there for there's water sports there's people skiing but then they do they do three or four hours of open water swimming and people are just going round and round this lake and then they've got a food hut and you can go back in so you can spend the day there but I don't just do sports and I and, and when you look at me now like you probably think oh he's not really fit because I'm so not at the moment but I do like other things I like um, I like Legos and building Legos <laughs> and watching uh, anime reading and i love sci-fi absolutely love sci-fi that is so cool so how long have you been into the lego scene since i was a child are you into lego i used to do it no i used to do connects as a kid but i mean legos are so i for whatever reason like i could never i never had the patience for legos but i think it's so cool that people build like monstrosities out of these little pieces so like, yeah, you... we've got. I'm looking at a cabinet now because you know because we've got. Um, I've got IKEA cabinets. I've also got cabinets with Lego in it, mm-hmm. and there's some really big pieces in there. It's so expensive. I actually think it's an adult hobby now because some of the things could be hundreds, if not near a thousand thousand pounds or you know something like that. That's a lot of money for a child to have a a toy. So I think they're more aimed at adults now. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? I think it's like kind of coming back to the nostalgia piece. Like the Legos came out however many years ago, and our generation is still into them because it's something that we've enjoyed during our childhood, and we've kind of taken it into adulthood. They're clever marketers. They're (laughs) they're making stuff that we still want. Yeah, that's exactly it. <clears throat> they're, they're getting us one, I think that's about one I don't think I collect anything else yeah um, so I'm surrounded by <clears throat> so um, <laughs> so anime is that something that you like watch on TV or like you read in in, in magazines and books tell me a little bit more about that because that's something that's okay yeah so I've been re- I've been reading mangas I don't know whether they call mangas I think I always called them mangas from a uh, a young child so i'd always read mangas sort of the japanese um kind of comic books and then i started watching the cartoons the animes and i've just always been watching i'm 40 years old now and i'm not the only the only one that watches these things there are other people my age that that are into them and i really like them but i was really into 80s cartoons um like well transformers and Dungeons and Dragons and all these types of things when I was when I was young, and there was a period I was really into those and I was collecting lots of things from like sort of twenty to thirty years old. In fact, I had a viewfinder, a Dungeons and Dragons viewfinder, and I sold it for eight hundred pounds or something like that to some guy in Brazil because he had a massive collection. But I thought I had a huge collection. I'm talking I had hundreds of things. <laughs> I'm a hoarder. I'm now collecting plants. <laughs> you switch from one uh one topic to another. Yeah. Um so what do you do for work? I work in IT. I working I work with computers, but it's more like um I work with servers and um application packaging, coding, and I work for a law firm, a very, quite a large law firm that's all over the world. Um I'm not going to name it because we're not allowed, we're not meant to name where we work really. Okay for these types of law firms, but it's a law firm. Um, and I've been in IT forever. And I remember when I was at school, I, I just said to the person that sort of looks at what you're good at and suggests a career path, you know, from a young child, like mm-hmm. how do, why do they even do that? You know, you're young, let, let them person just grow. But I wanted to, I wanted to learn how to climb trees and study trees. So there's that plant thing again. And, um, they said, no, you're really good at sort of the maths and the computer science. So you should go and do that. And I, I, I always envisioned I'd be climbing trees like giant sequoias or something like that and studying them. Didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you kind of get your plant fix. Exactly. Yeah. And I still like trees and I still study trees. And I have books on them and stuff like that. I find them fascinating. They, I mean, yeah. they're cool. Do you guys have a lot of like, um, it, like inside p- types of palm trees and like tropical plants that can't survive outside like during the we summer. We do. Yeah. But pe- we, people do grow them outside. There are areas around the UK where people grow tropics or tropical plants. So they're growing, they're growing palms and things like that. Some people even have musa or bananas. Um, I don't know whether I've seen any where I live because I live. So if you look at the UK on a map, I live on the on the east coast of the UK, sort of middle east coast. 
I think most people are growing those types of things um, on the southwest coast. But there are random people that grow them in other areas because, you know, there's sort of like weird waves of temperatures, isn't there, in different areas of the, of, of the countries. So, yeah, further up north where you'd expect it to be colder, there are people growing these tropical jungles outside. What 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 is – so I'm looking at a map right now and you're in Essex, right? Yes. Okay, and that's just east of London. That's right. And so what is like the low – get to in the winter it could get to minus four minus five i think this this winter we've had quite a mild one where it, it's just gone to zero i'm talking celsius i don't know i don't know fahrenheit because right, we will right. talk celsius over here yeah so i mean if you know the conversion maybe you, you you can do it but yeah i mean it probably gets to zero we've just yeah it's only been to zero and i think we've just been told next week it's gonna it might get to minus one which is which is a frost which is kind of bizarre we're, I'm sitting in glorious sunshine right now. 18 degrees. It was yesterday anyway. It was 18 degrees Celsius. Because I think in Fahrenheit that would be fr- freezing, wasn't it? I don't know. <laughs> um, so Fahrenheit freezing temperature is 32 degrees. Right, yeah. So, that's yeah, I mean, that's not, that's not terribly cold compared to like some parts of like the United States. Um, <clears throat> so... I, it doesn't surprise me that there are like some parts of the UK where folks are kind of growing those like more tropical plants outdoors. Mm. And some have been cultivated over many years, you know, because there's a lot of there's a lot of history with botanicals and plants and gathering in, in the UK because, you know, they used to travel the world didn't they and they used to bring things back and grow them in giant glass houses and study them. And then I mean, some of the I didn't even know this, but I watched a program the other day and it was telling us how Kew Gardens had banana, a type of banana that was devastated around the world. And they helped repopulate that banana population around the world so we can eat the bananas that we buy from the stores. Did you know that? No, that's in- I, I think I knew something about, <clears throat> excuse me, the banana, like the the one that we eat is not the one that we've historically been growing for cultivation yes and it's a relatively yeah. new species of banana that's right yeah but Kew gardens did because they store plants they they keep them and they store seed and everything because they've got seed banks and it was a big thing we're talking hundreds and hundreds of years ago where people would travel the world and they would try and grow all these tropicals and some of them are you know they're the only places left where they where they have this type or this cultivar of this plant and they've helped out and then I'm sure it goes on in other places in the world, in America and and and, and in the continent of Europe. But it's just amazing. But yeah, there are people that are growing hardy tropics because I think they've been growing here for, you know, fifty to two hundred years or something like that. So they're kind of adapted to the weather. This is very interesting. <clears throat> Honestly, there's nothing like a banana like that you eat right off the tree. <laughs> they're yeah. so good. What's your natural? Because you live in—is it Florida that you live in? Yes, I'm in Florida. So do you have just natural fruits that are growing outside anywhere, any type of really interesting fruit? Um, I live in northeast Florida. So uh, what are some natural fruits that are um, – I'm trying to think. I'm drawing a blank. Because um, when I go on holiday to, to, to somewhere around Europe, I always find it amazing when there's pomegranates just growing or oranges or something like that. 
Yeah, that's so um, oranges. I mean, here, orange, like orange cultivation is generally down in South Florida. And then um, here, like we could, we do have like some hard freezes that, you know, drop below freezing, like maybe a few times a winter. So it kind of makes it hard to like keep tropical things or like other types of like fruit um, alive year round. But we do like people can like have orange trees, lemon trees, um, lime trees in their yards. And like if you go to like the Home Depot or like another big box store, you can buy them. Um mm. And then you can like, buy them here, but people don't. I don't think they keep them in their in their yards all all year round. They'd ha- they'd be smaller, and they'd have to bring them in. And I don't know whether they produce good fruits, but yeah, we get I think a lot of you know berries and things like that that are growing. Um, but so let's see. Yeah, so we uh, Florida is a big producer of strawberries. Oh, I'm growing some strawberries in the garden right now. Yeah, I really like strawberries. Um, what else? Um, coconuts are generally like South Florida as well. Um, what? just because of the, the type of, the type of like palm tree, they can't tolerate like the freezes. So we don't really yeah. see them up here. Um, I didn't even know that. I had no idea that they would even, they were even growing anywhere in America, but it's huge, isn't it? So I guess there would be some place that where there'd be, happy to grow yeah um yeah so i think like the i I don't have any like i would love to plant like a meyer lemon tree in my yard um that would be great for making like lemonade or like drinks or even just like using the lemons in food i i love lemons i like them more than limes gee oh i really like limes and when i went when i went to singapore there was this i don't know what it was it was a really small lime and they would put that in iced tea all the time. I don't think it's a lime. I think it's got another name, but it was super small and it did taste like a lime. I need to get some of those in my life. They were so nice. Iced tea. Like I said, I'm sitting in the sun right now, so I really want one. <laughs> yes, I would love – I think I'm going to go um, – I need to do some yard work later this afternoon. So um, that sounds really good. <laughs> You're tempting mm. me, Mark. <laughs> well you started you started talking about lemonade and i was like did you say lemonade you said lemons but i just i was thinking lemonade i did say lemonade um, yeah i'm gonna have to go over to the store later on and get some i need something now i need that holiday feel yes oh my gosh i need a vacation <laughs> um so i always ask people the same questions toward the end of the show mm-hmm. um I am wanting to know who you would like to meet from Instagram or social media that you haven't met before. Oh, so, I think I might have two. Can I pick two? Yeah, yeah. Or is that greedy? No. Uh, but they're too far away. I, I don't know whether it would, ever, it would ever happen. I'd love it to happen. I would love to meet Sydney Plant Guy. I think he's called Sydney Plant Guy. and Obviously, he lives in Australia. He's a bit of an inspo for his giant plants that he has growing on poles. And also, I'd like to meet Jake, the plant guy. I just think he – I get his wavelength, wavelength, and I just like – he's funny. I'd love to meet him. He'd be so cool. Who, um, would, who would you meet then? Who would you want to meet? <clears throat> um, so I said I would want to meet um, Ryan McAllister, who you is... have you all on on your because I heard one of your other podcasts. You did speak to him. <sighs> I did, yeah, but I I mentioned it was funny because like, um, 
we chat and he kind of helps me with some of my outdoor stuff and and whatnot but um i said you know i would love to meet him and then i had him on and i was like brian i was like you're the person that i said that i wanted to meet in person and he was just like i feel like he didn't know what to say <laughs> it was a bit free time have you will you ever meet him though in person I don't know. I th- I mean, there's so many people on here that like I've become friends with that I I could like meet. Um, it just it's just a matter of like honestly scheduling time to like go somewhere. Like if I wanted mm-hmm. to go even to like the, um, uh, uh the Fairchild Gardens, the uh, like International Aeroid Society meeting every fall in Miami. Like I I would have to like plan. You know, is my husband John coming with me? are you know what are we going to do with the dogs we have to get a dog sitter we have three dogs mm. um is he staying and how long would i go for so it's just like the logistics thing is a lot so um it's really you know really when i'm traveling somewhere and it's like to a city that like someone else is in like i could like potentially schedule like a meetup but like the the whole like working full time and um you know having a family it, it, it's just hard with travel so yeah, yeah, because you, you, there's a lot to factor in and, and plan, especially with with dog babies. I mean, I've, I've got a dog as well, and we have to think about that every time. A dog and a cat, you know, it's not necessarily that easy just to bring them with you, is it? No, it's not. It's really not, um, especially, you know, because they're golden retrievers. They're a little bit bigger. Yeah, you got th- – is it three? We have two. Yeah, we have a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and then Tucker, who is five months yeah, I saw the. I saw you got a new one. It's so cute. <laughs> yeah, so um, he he is adorable. He's super cuddly. We love him. Um, so okay, my second question for you is: What if you could be any plant? What plant would you be, and why? I would be. I've already thought about this one, and I may have answered it before. I think. I think I'll just be a monstera, any type of monstera, because. You know, they can grow up a wall, they can grow up a tree, they can crawl along the floor and then grow up. They always seem like they're living the best life and they're going to reach the, the you know, the top. They'll, and you can get splashy ones, regular ones. Yeah, yeah. They're, you know, they always seem super happy and nice. And I think that's a really good plant. And they, they can make fruit as well. So I think that would be a good plant to be. I like that answer. Um, I feel like the monstera is often like taken for granted because of how common it's become, but it's really a great, beautiful plant. Yeah. Well, so <clears throat> can I ask you what you'd be, or have you been asked this every single podcast that you've done? I don't know. I like asking you questions as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like. Okay, I think I said I can't remember what my answer was because I think someone asked me, but I am a big fan of. The philodendron Florida green. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Um, just because the leaves are so unique, they like they as they grow, they mature, similar to the monstera. They vine, um, and it's mm-hmm. just like a very unique plant that's like relatively easy to grow. Yeah, I think um, you've picked a good a good so, one. Yeah, I'll go and listen to your other podcasts because I'm really interested. If you ask that to everybody, I'm interested to hear what everyone else says what plant they've picked right and i don't remember what podcast it was from so you might just have to go back and listen to all of them yeah i'll listen to i've, I've listened to three i think i've listened to three already so yeah i've got a few, a few more to listen to they're quite nice to listen to thanks mark i appreciate it um and i appreciate you coming on the show today i know you know sundays are a day for people to kind of 
spend time with their families and enjoy work. So I appreciate, you know, the hour you've spent with me today. And um, I'm looking forward to um, seeing all of your plants grow on Instagram. Yes. Thank you for having me. It's been brilliant.